0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2273. Today we're going to be talking about SEMA, an organization that plays an integral and very important part in the aftermarket automotive sector, as well as so many other aspects of the automotive world. So buckle up and be prepared to be inspired. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in beautiful Diamond Bar, California, but I really should probably say Las Vegas, and you'll understand why in a moment, with a very special guest by the name of Mike Spagnola. Mike, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch?
1: I'm ready to pop it, for sure. There
0: we go. Something you know how to do. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, and we learned about your life and your world and a very special event that I've attended many, many times, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Mike?
1: Oh, let me see. I think, you know, I grew up in a musical family. My mom was an opera singer. Wow. Uh, my dad was a bartender, so very very eclectic family. Uh, yeah. Uh, my sister played piano. Uh, I played drums. I played in a marching band and a rock band and big band and all those sorts of things and kind of thought for a little while of making a career in the uh, music industry and, until I figured out that's that's a hard way to make any money. <laughs> no and, kidding. And, and, and very competitive and a lot, of, a lot of people that were more talented than me.
0: Well, that's fascinating. You know, it's interesting how cars and music tie together. I have had a lot of guests on this show that are musical, that either play musical instruments or did play or were in bands. As I mentioned in our pre-show chat, I did the same when I was in junior high and high school, played the guitar. So maybe there's some tie-in to creativity with music and passion for cars. I don't know, but you're another example.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and we, you know, we probably both know a lot of rock and roll guys that you know, or into cars as well. Oh right? yeah. And so, you know, both are very passionate kind of, uh, kind of businesses or kind of hobbies.
0: I've had a few of those on the show. One, of course, being John Oates, who uh, I met at a Sport event when he was taking delivery of a beautiful 356 that um, uh, Rod Emery built for him. And I'll tell you something funny, Mike. I didn't even know who I was talking to. I was sitting there. Rod introduced me to him. And, hey, this is John. And I go, man, tell me about your car. And we're chatting. And I look around. There's all these people taking pictures. Like, why are these people taking pictures of us? This is kind of weird. And so anyway, he let me sit in the car. And then he went off. and. And Rod came up and he goes, what do you think? And I go, cool. And I said, who is that guy? And he goes, Mark, that's John Oates. And, and I'm <laughs> like, what? Oh, my gosh. That, that was like, you know, the when I was courting my wife back in the day, the, the music we listened to. So, um, yeah, he's quite a car yeah. guy. So fascinating. But again, cars bring us all together. So. That kind of makes sense. For sure. Yeah. For well, sure. let me give you a proper introduction here. Mike Spagnola is the CEO of the Specialty Equipment Market Association we all know and love as SEMA. In addition to running SEMA, a garage product development center there in Diamond Bar, Mike manages the SEMA garage near Detroit, Michigan, where advanced testing for advanced driver assist systems, known as ADAS, and emissions take place. Mike's experience spans across retail distribution and manufacturing, Prior to joining SEMA, he spent over 40 years in the specialty auto parts arena, including more than 20 years of product development and product vehicle work. Mike served as president for Street Scene Equipment, where he managed the company's day-to-day businesses for 16-plus years. His experience working with OEM's building concept and project vehicles has led to more than a dozen design awards for OEMs and extensive media recognition. Mike also serves for six years on the SEMA Board of Directors, so he's a very busy guy. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little listen. They keep the gas in the tanks here, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Cars Yeah! has teamed up with TechForce Foundation, one of our charities of choice, to help young people who love cars, problem-solving, and working with their hands pursue careers as professional technicians from auto collision and restoration techs to motorcycle boats race cars and aviation TechForce covers the gamut of technician opportunities technical education and the skills trades matter and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling learn how you can help to power the technical workforce at techforce.org today <laughs> So, Mike, I want to dive a little deeper into your career because when you think about SEMA, this massive organization that is so important to the automotive sector, and it's an event that I've been to over 30 times, so you owe me a few pairs of socks, my friend. I've worn out some some socks walking the halls, uh, and I've just watched that show grow from the first time I went over 30 years ago to what has become, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. But I want to go back a little bit before we get into SEMA and what you're doing there today about your career because you have a very extensive career uh, working with OEMs, building cars, concept cars, businesses, and so forth. So walk us through a little bit of this uh, career path that you've had because you and I are pretty much the same generation. We've been around for a while.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think I, from the time I was probably six years old, loved cars. I, I can remember, you know, the guys coming back from Vietnam that were lucky enough to come back, you know, having a few bucks in their pocket and in the neighborhood. And, I'd run out in the street when I'd hear something run down the street and just hear that rumble of a 63 Corvette or a Mustang or whatever it might be. Um, but had a, from a very early, you know, time in my life loved cars. So right out of high school, I went to work for a Datsun dealership, literally sweeping floors and delivery driver while I was going to college and spent my whole career now, you know, nearly 50 years in the automotive industry uh in the aftermarket side of the industry mostly other than my time at, at Dawson dealership buying and selling parts uh had the opportunity um over the 50 years to buy and sell five different companies uh, grow them build them uh, do different things with them and i ended up at Sema i had uh, uh sold my shares in my last company and came to work for Sema on a 3 year contract to develop the Sema garage product development centers and uh next week that'll be my 10th uh, year at SEMA on a three-year contract.
0: <laughs> you you hung around for a while. <laughs> Talk a little bit about SEMA Garage and what that is, because pe- most people think of SEMA as the, the show, the big show that, of course, that you get to go to and all the things and how it's evolved and grown. But I, I want to dive a little deeper maybe into SEMA Garage, what this means and what you do there.
1: Yes. I like to tell people it's what we do the other 360 days of the year. Though know, we are <laughs> known for the SEMA, SEMA show. And in fact, uh, probably the biggest question I get asked is, do you live in Las Vegas? And, uh, but the show is four days a year. We plan for it all year long. And we have a great team of people that just work on the show literally all year long. But there's lots of other things we do, including the SEMA Garage. And it's a product development center where we help manufacturers develop products and take them to market, which was my background in business and in manufacturing. So, cool. for example, uh, we now have two garages, uh, one here in Diamond Bar and one in Plymouth, Michigan. But, uh, we do, for example, emissions compliance. So for anybody that builds a product that affects fuel or air, and there's, you know, the whole seam of central hall is full of those sort of products. So superchargers, air intakes, you name anything that affects fuel or air on a nice engine, it has to go through an emissions compliance test before it's legal to be sold. So, uh, our car, car VO is how a lot of people know what that is. And it's a very complicated technical testing that has to be gone through. And what we found was our members, were having problems getting through the paperwork cycle, understanding what needed to be done, finding a lab that could do that kind of work, finding experts in the field. And if you don't have that work done and you sell a product that doesn't have a CARB-E-O, the fines are horrendous uh, (laughs) by CARB and EPA. I mean, they can come after you for millions of dollars. And so we created the SEMA Garage and we added staff that could help our members fill out the paperwork, walk them through the process, meet with CARB, do all the testing for them in very sophisticated and expensive lab equipment, and walk through that whole process so that our members could get their EOs done, their emissions compliance work done. And we now today uh, account for over fifty percent of all the car EOs, you know, that go through the process. Wow! Um, and so, and then, and then we do things like we have CAD data. If you wanted CAD on, let's say, you wanted to build suspension for a, you know, a nineteen seventy Mustang or a 2023 Mustang, we have that CAD data and can help you with that CAD data and then walk you through through the process of developing new suspension for that Mustang or virtually several hundred other makes and models of vehicles. So we have engineers on staff that help with that process. We have 3D printers. Uh, We do these things called measuring sessions where, for example, we just did one with the new Honda Civic where we got Honda to lend us a few cars and uh, our members can come in and measure off of those vehicles, and we help them through that whole product development
0: cycle. This is so so much a part of SEMA that a lot of people don't realize when they look from the outside into SEMA. Having worked in the industry, I know all this, but a lot of people don't realize that. They just think it's a big, fun car show and a lot of cool parts and things. But SEMA, for decades, have helped people bring products to market. That And a lot of these products start as small company deals, and it's very expensive to do this thing. But you guys help people make it happen. You've been doing this for a long time.
1: Yeah. Small or large. And, you know, we're there to help, you know, I think that the quality of aftermarket products has come up immensely because of it. Obviously the time it takes to bring a product to market has shortened quite a bit. Uh, We get vehicles before they hit the road. We had the, the new Ford Bronco we had it six months before it came to market. Ford worked with us, you know, brought us some vehicles that we could tear apart and measure and, CAD data, scan them, and do all sorts of things. We brought members in so that when that vehicle hit the market, there were hundreds of products ready to go. And the OEMs recognize they always recognize that people still want to um, make um, you know personal decisions about their accessories and what they want to do, and it helps them sell vehicles. When you can see a Bronco on a in a magazine, a brand new Bronco, or on a website or wherever it may be, fully accessorized. They recognize that people see those and say, I want to build that car.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your impressions and observations with what's happening in the automotive sector right now with EVs. I mean, the changes that are happening and how fast they are happening are just mind boggling to me. I've never seen anything like this before. From a SEMA standpoint, how are you guys looking at what's happening and what's coming down the road with EVs? Yeah, good question.
1: So we, you know, a few things, you know, you can put your head in the sand and, you know, say we're going to have ICE engines forever, or you can understand the technology and where it's going. And, you know, we choose to really understand what it is and embrace it. There's two segments we've really focused on there. Obviously the brand new vehicles and what those are, but, you know, let's just take a Ford Lightning. It's still a truck. And so there's plenty of truck accessories that can be made for it, bed accessories. Camping equipment, you know, all those sorts of things that can be developed and, and made for a, a Ford truck, it just got a different way of propulsion. Um, and then the other market we're really interested in and really trying to develop is the retrofit market, right? The resto mod where you're taking your 69 Camaro or your Volkswagen van or whatever it might be and converting it to an EV. Yeah. We had 20, uh, 20 plus thousand square feet this year of manufacturers who are just making battery packs and electric motors and uh, harnesses and all the controls and those sorts of things so that if you're interested in converting uh your vehicle to a uh, an ev um those components and those manufacturers we're really trying to work with them now and grow them um in that market so but the other thing i'm interested in and that we are having a lot of conversation about is really you know we recognize that for california example an example uh, they want to be EV only 2035 and beyond uh, as far as selling, you know, EVs.
0: That's not that far away, is it?
1: But you wonder about the infrastructure. You know, there's a lot of talk about how clean EVs really are and yep. the batteries needed and the mining and the infrastructure to do that. And on the East Coast, you're still making electricity from coal. So, you know, understanding all of that, you know, honestly, my personal belief is it's going to take longer than we think it is, mm-hmm. you know, for us to become more electric. But I'm also interested in understanding, uh, and we're going to talk about this this year at the SEMA show, you know, what other forms of propulsion are there? You know, uh, Formula One just introduced the fact that they're going to be using synthetic zero emissions fuels in F1 racing. Yeah. I think it's in 2025. Right. Um, Fascinating. You know, we know that hydrog- hydrogen still makes sense maybe for long haul trucks. Toyota's still committed to hybrids. We know that several of the oil companies are looking at low emission fuel systems. You know, there's E85. There's, there's. So we're interested in having a discussion about all the different forms of propulsion and what that looks like and what that mix may look like in the years to come. So, you know, I, I don't think that it's a, you know, an EV only market across the U.S., you know, in the next 10 years, 15 years. I, I think that there's still going to be a mix of um, of ways to lower emissions and, you know, potentially even, you know, nothing is really zero emissions if you look at it. Even an EV in the in the process to make that vehicle is not zero emissions. So, um, you know, big proponents of the environment and all those things that go with it, but also letting the market decide what that looks like. And uh, and so we're just in that conversation.
0: And that's another thing that SEMA has played a big part in when it gets into legislation and government interaction with manufacturers of a variety of different things. And SEMA has a, an empire department that helps these things happen. So when a uh, government in its uh, illustrative wisdom, <laughs> I say very tongue in cheek, decides, oh no, we don't want to do that. We don't want you doing that. Uh, SEMA will come in and go, well, wait a minute look at how many people you're affecting with this and it's not what you think it is. And so SEMA has an entire legal team and and departments that help us that sometimes our business get yanked out from underneath us and you kind of go, wait a minute, why why are you doing this? So can you touch on how SEMA has helped in so many ways companies get through some of this uh, legal mumbo jumbo and the bureaucracy that can really... stagger and, and stop, hobble, I guess the words I'm looking for, production of manufacturing of goods for consumers that want those goods.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, it you know, again, there's a, a lot of things SEMA does. You know, there, in the other 360 days a year, we have PRI our racing division. We have SEMA Garage. Uh, we have SEMA Data, which helps our members with data and product data and software and those sorts of things. We've got councils and networks. We, we have a program called SEMA Cares that gives back to to uh, underprivileged, we have scholarship programs, but it really boils down to two main points. Uh, we really want to help our members grow and prosper, and we want to protect our industry. And in the protect the industry side, uh, we have a, a team in uh, in D.C. really capable team. And we put a lot of time and effort into that team. Uh, we work behind the scenes with all sorts of government legislation. It's an area I never thought I'd be part of, but it's you know we literally meet with all of our legislators on both sides of the aisle to talk about business, to talk about what that means to our industry and and what they should be concerned about, uh, but really protecting our industry. People still want to work on cars. And so the right to repair is, is critical. The right to modify is critical. Um, the right to drive your own car is critical. Uh, the right to own your own car is critical. And there's legislation that comes up all the time that's just just crazy. That just
0: <laughs> yeah, no. You kidding. know, there
1: there is a there's just there's a bill right now that takes this uh, EV thing starting 2035. There's 17 states that want to do that. That takes it even further than that. That says you can't drive anything but an EV on the road after 2037. Whoa. I mean, I mean that sort of you know that sort of thing's being talked about. The ability to lift or lower your vehicle. The ability to put bigger tires on your vehicle you know, all those sorts of things, you know, th- this isn't scare tactics. This goes on all day long. We literally review bills every day that could affect our industry and behind the scenes work to better understand and to, to let legislators know where we stand on these things. If they're anti-consumer, if they're anti-business, you know, we want to have a say in it right? and protect our industry. I can tell you that uh, we put a lot of money into that effort. We uh, now have PACs uh, where where people can donate to our PACs, we do a lot with individual membership now. We do a lot in uh, visiting legislators. Uh, you know, over the summer, I had the opportunity to to go meet with senators and members of Congress in D.C. And, and took Richard Petty along with me. Oh, cool! And talk about a guy, talk about a guy that opened doors. Yeah, yeah. And you, you see these pretty tough legislators that melt like uh, <laughs> like butter. Melt like, Not like, like butter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When they, when they get to meet a guy like Richard Petty, but, uh, and we're not alone in the fight. You know, there's several other trade associations and automotive people that get it, but you got to have a voice. And if you don't have a voice, you're going to get run over for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful. We, Do a
0: lot in that space. I really appreciate that. You know, you think about influential people inspiring people. To me, the entire SEMA organization and how you guys advocate and help is is a great inspiration. Is that how you see SEMA for the automotive industry as an inspiring group of people that are there to help?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, that is one thing you've got to. You know, when I interview people for for the for their jobs, um, you really have to have a servant's heart. You got to be willing to. You know, give back to our members, give back to our industry. Uh, it's not about us. It's about helping our industry, helping members along the way. It, you know, really wanting to have passion uh, and understanding of our industry and, and how to help others.
0: Well, and that's so, what you, you know, guys that's, do. That's,
1: that's really key. Yeah, that's really key to us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's obvious. When you think about challenges in the automotive aftermarket sector, what do you think looking forward in the next year, two, three, are the, is the biggest, biggest challenge the aftermarket automotive sector is facing?
1: So, you know, a few things there. Obviously, technology continues to grow at a very rapid pace. You know, now with all the sensors on vehicles, um, the ability to self-drive, the ability to stop for you, the ability, all the cameras are on vehicles. You know, we're really interested, almost those off features, uh, automotive, the, you know, uh, features that help you drive your vehicle today, you know, backup cameras, all of that. We're really interested to make sure that A, what happens when you modify a vehicle? Do all those systems, uh, still continue to work? We talked about the emission side, you know, if you modify a vehicle, uh, so the, so the ability to continue to be able to modify and work on vehicles and the ability to access the software needed to modify those vehicles. So if we have to adjust cameras, if we have to adjust sensors, if we have to modify a vehicle because we're putting a supercharger on it, you know, all those sort of things. But if the right to modify is going to continue to be a challenge for us. And uh, to work alongside the OEs in that space is going to be a challenge. Uh, and then, again, just, just the government regulations, that could come down on us and come down on us daily as to, as to, you know, what that looks like. Even the right to drive could, oh. know, I mean, that sounds as crazy as that is. It's frightening. Is is a challenge. And, and again, I, you know, some think of that as the big, bad boogeyman that's behind the curtain that, you know, you were too much of an alarmist, but it's true. It's, I and, you know, I never realized that before I came to work for SEMA. It's just how true and the amount of, people that would just like to see us go away.
0: Well, protect your rights because if you don't, they will be gone and one day you'll go what happened? <laughs> and that's for sure. Yeah, it it seems ludicrous and crazy but there are some that want to do that. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're grateful that you guys are there fighting for us and helping preserve a passion that we all have for cars. Yeah, you know, I want to talk a little bit about you and your passion for cars, because I know you've been a car guy forever. Is there a special vehicle in your past that really stands out? And if so, tell us about that ride.
1: People ask me all the time, what's my favorite vehicle or what do I own now that's my favorite vehicle? And it, it, it's hard to say because, <laughs> you know, I love vehicles for different, you know, I love a truck to go do certain things. I love a car to go do certain things. And it's sort of like being asked, who's your favorite child? You know, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I, I love them all, you know? So, you know, my, my, when I was 13, my grandparents gave me a 55 Mercury that wasn't running. And uh, I, I tinkered with it and got it running and, you know, actually had to put a, a blown head gasket, and got it back together. And at age 14, I was, <laughs> Driving <laughs> it down the street, and uh, my dad came home early from work one day and caught me driving it. and that was the last time I saw that car. So, <laughs> oh. That has some special memory to me. But, but okay. then working at Datsun, and then I, I did some SCCA racing over the years. And so I'm still, I've still got this passion for old Japanese cars, especially Datsuns. And I have a few of them. Uh, my first real car when I was 16 was a Datsun truck that I tell you how bad it was. I bought it from a gardener who didn't want it anymore.
0: Oh, gosh. Uh,
1: so, <laughs> So, you know, that, that probably holds special meaning to me. And then Dotson 510s and Roadsters and 240Zs, you know, uh, again, I raced Dotsons in the 70s and yeah. have a collection of them today. So, so, you know, people sometimes think of FEMA as muscle car guys or, you know, hot rod guys. And while well, I appreciate all those cars and I've had several of them. I've got this fondness for old Japanese cars.
0: I guess. Oh yeah, they're wonderful. Our neighbor across the street when I was growing up had a Fair Lady, and he wanted to sell it to me, and it was pretty rough. And my dad walked over and looked at it, and he goes, "Well, do you want a car you can drive or a car you're gonna have to work on? Because look at all the holes <laughs> on the bottom of this thing from the and you know." I was looking right over that, going, "Oh, a convertible." So I think California fun car, but uh, I'm kind of glad he talked me out of it. But it's always held a special place for me and when you look at how Japanese cars now have come back in the collector car market especially 80s and 90s Japanese cars are now becoming valuable and collectible because there's that generation behind you and I that are in their prime back when we were in our prime of buying and enjoying cars so yeah that's an entirely new sector I'm going to be your car psychologist here a little bit Mike I love to do this with my guests crawl into your head if you are reincarnated as a vehicle what would you be but more importantly why
1: uh, uh, So, you know, I'm still a pretty competitive guy. Good. Uh, so I guess that car would have to be fast. Okay. You know, maybe not flashy, but gets the job done in a race, right? Okay. <laughs> so okay. let me think. It, you know, I'd probably have to be, I always wanted to be an car driver. Uh, that was kind <laughs> Didn't of we of all? <laughs> so I'd have to be an car. maybe best at high RPM. Maybe not the best paint job <laughs> anymore. Okay. few dings and rock chips, few rock chips, a yeah. few dings along the way. It's still very competitive. So yeah. it'd have to be something fast. It'd have to be something that still, uh, still gets with it um, yeah. and can still be competitive.
0: But would you consider uh, yourself, since you're into older cars and classic cars and stuff, so would this be something from the past, uh, maybe a car from the 60s or 70s?
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I think because I love to still, we you know, I, my two sons and I still do track days. We still have some race cars and, and go out, so... Um, I still, you know, while in my mind, I'm still pretty competitive <laughs> yeah. uh, and still love newer fast cars. i you know, I have a, I have a brand new 23Z that I drive to work every day as my daily driver. And I still, you know, I love how it handles versus an older car. So, uh, it, you know, it, it's, uh, and I like to try to think that I'm still rele- relevant and keep up the times. And so it, maybe it have to be something newer. Okay. Uh, but, but again, it, it just depends on the drive, right? There's, there's day I have a Fair Lady, you know, Datsun uh, Roadster 67 Solix model car. Oh,
0: cool. So,
1: you know, cars and coffee or going for a Sunday drive down Pacific Coast Highway is, you know, I would drive that. But, um, but there's other day, days I want to drive something fast and, and modern.
0: So you're um, ever-evolving, I, I think, is what I'm getting out of this answer.
1: Yeah, and enjoy every <laughs> aspect of cars and motorcycles as well and just anything with an engine in it or, you know, I'll even say an AD. Um I just love to understand technology, but I also like to give a nod to the bat.
0: Yeah. I love it. You know, we, we spoke a bit, and you mentioned how SEMA gives back in many, many ways. Is there one aspect of SEMA that you see is very, very important that you give back? Um, and maybe we focus here on the next generation that's coming behind us as we, you and I, I won't say we're aging out, but we will eventually. Maybe one of the most important aspects of SEMA of how you guys give back.
1: Great. So a few things. For me personally, I really, when I leave my position here, uh, Want to make sure we're in great shape, and so I spend some time with next gen, um, trying to make sure that uh, new hires that we go through are passionate about this industry. And I love to mentor them and talk to them and learn from them as well. So you know, it's a two-way communication of learning what the newest technologies are and social media and all those sorts of things. But then also, you know, being able to pass on what I know, what I've garnered over 50 years. Uh, but but the other side of that, you know, for SEMA we. We love to work with students. You know, we we have a SEMA scholarship program that uh, we give out several hundred thousand dollars a year or two. Um, you know, this weekend at the SEMA garage, we're going to be doing work with the Formula SAE students. Students from about 19 colleges across Southern California are coming in, and uh, we work with them and show them what's going on in the industry and try to bring them up to when they graduate college as engineers. We want them to be in our industry, so that's something we do to to mentor the next generation of students. Uh, we have a program called SEMA Cares, which we give back to non-automotive people. There's, uh, Child Health is one of the charities we support, which is a home for abused and high-risk, you know, children. So we, we do fundraising for them. We do fundraising for Victory Junction, which is back in Tennessee, and that's maybe a little more automotive related, but, um, NASCAR guys and Richard Petty and some of those guys. But, you know, giving back to, yeah, giving back to those industries is important and mentoring up the next generation. Uh, is important. My family and I are, you know, personally involved with child help. So, and then you know, I even I still go back to my high school that I, you know, went to auto shop in, and speak to those automotive students every year, you know, and we give scholarships to them. So, I think that's an important part of who we are, and all of us in the automotive community need to be
0: part of. Absolutely. How about great reading? Is there a book that you've enjoyed that you'd like to share with our listeners today? You know, again, I still probably try
1: to still be a student of our industry. And still today, even after 50 years in this industry, I try to pick up every podcast and, you know, I listen to podcasts in the car and every trade magazine I can look at. I still read Auto Week as much as I can. But, you know, I think, you know, from a business side, several, there's probably several I could talk about, you know, good to great, the hard um, thing about hard things. Collins' book, yeah. Yeah, Seven Habits of Effective People, you know, some of those sort of things, uh, built to last. And then anything that has talks about family and, uh, and passing on good work habits, you know, I, I, my wife and I have always really tried to understand this, you know, as you transfer wealth or, you know, kind of long sleeve, short sleeve, we try to make sure that our kids, you know, even though, you know, we want to help them along the way, that they got to earn their way as well. And so, you know, anything to do with family and, uh, raising adult children, all those sort of things that can make sure that, you know, we've probably seen all seen a lot of spoiled kids that inherit family wealth. And so I'm I'm always interested to make sure that my kids stay hungry and work hard and Yeah, we can help them along the way and what that balance looks like.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's important. That's important to us as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You mentioned some great books there too. Many favorites of mine. Now, I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive today. This is a fun idea. I've got a magic scepter, if you will. You can pick any vehicle, you can take it and drive it anywhere. But here's the fun part of this you can take anybody with you, even somebody who's no longer with us. So it could be a historical figure or who knows whom, maybe family member. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? If I could uh, provide you with that un- unlimited checkbook.
1: Uh, <laughs> same thing. It's like, you know, again, what's your favorite, uh, who's your favorite kid. I've been a big fan of Roger Penske over the years and have got to meet him a few times. And even does, did some business with him. So I'm a big fan of his. I've always loved Mario Andretti, I guess, because he's Italian and racer and, you know, got to hang out with him a couple of times. You know, he's one of my all time heroes. Gosh, there's so many. I, I just listened to a podcast with Lewis Hamilton and just inspiring on how he wants to change the automotive culture and uh, making sure that that minorities are involved in the automotive space. That's that's important to me as well. And I'd love to talk to him more about that and, uh, and just his success and what he went through and how he was bullied as a child, and all that. So there's so many, but, and then, I, you know, I've had a chance to hang out with Jay Leno a bit and- He's probably still one of my best guys. So I maybe have to pick Jay. He, he's, for those that you knew that know him, he's he's a very humble guy. He's not pretentious, still loves cars. He's extremely knowledgeable. Um, and I mean, he's a hard worker. He's still at, you know, at, uh, he's 70 plus now, works, I mean, he's just still a workaholic. Oh, yeah. He'd rather go to a local car show than cars and coffee than a pretentious car show or prestigious car show he drives his cars uh you know i've had a chance to talk to him and work with him a little bit and he can he can tell you why the the horse on the ford bronco faces one way and the, <laughs> and the horse yeah, on the ford an Mustang faces another. oh my gosh he i mean i again i've been in this industry 50 years he knows more in his little pinky than i am in my whole body <laughs> about the car manufacturing and industry and you know he's got a you know he, he can tell you about the who built the body on a you know particular car he owns and Anyway, so, um, but, you know, maybe, maybe getting out with him and, and, uh, uh, driving up the coast, you know, I think probably if I can imagine my favorite drive, it's driving up the coast in California in a
0: convertible. Maybe in one of Jay's cars, you know, have Jay pick yeah, a car that maybe, he likes, you know?
1: Yeah. Or maybe, you know, for, maybe it'd have to be Italian. Maybe not a Ferrari, but maybe an Alfa Romeo that's not quite as fancy, but, uh, still a fun car, older Alfa. That that would be fun. That would be a fun a fun meal.
0: I'm going to put you in an 8C with Jay heading up the coast. I think that's that sounds like a way to do it. And then you can stop and make some of yeah. uh, your famous spaghetti sauce and, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe meet up with yeah, Mario.
1: That, that would be, you know, and, and Jay's one of those guys that doesn't like to be interviewed. So I'd love to, you know, he likes to interview and he likes to give back to others. So, you know, but I'd love to spend more time interviewing him or just, even if it wasn't for the public. Just well,
0: don't. my listeners know. I've been trying to get him on this show forever. Yeah. He doesn't really like to go and be interviewed very much. And, uh, I don't know. I hope I get him someday. I'm always, uh, I'm trying, but, um, he's a fascinating guy and he does so much for our, for our industry. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you and I want to wish him well, he went through a tough, a couple of tough deals there, he got burned Boy. badly, and then he got in a motorcycle accident and broke some bones. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's gotta be a little more careful, I think. Um, but he always and can well,
1: be- doesn't want to talk about it. He, well, he, he, he always makes it, it kind industry, of fun. Yeah,
0: you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's he's, uh, he's, uh, he's just that guy. He wants, he, he wants to give. He doesn't want to take.
0: Yeah. Much like SEMA. Well, That's- you've taken us on a wonderful journey today here, Mike, and I'm so glad I, I finally landed you on cars. on And had you as my guest before I let you go though. Could you share maybe some words of inspiration, a success quote, or a mantra that has meaning for you that might inspire those listeners today?
1: You know, for me, I think it's always being willing to take risk, um calculated risk, but risk. And I, I kind of live by the fact that if you're comfortable, you're not moving forward. If you get too comfortable in things and if things just become every uh day, you're not moving forward. And so I've had think overall, I would say that um while I may not be an expert in every field, I try to hire myself uh, or be surrounded by specific experts and learn from them. Um, and put the right people in the right seats on the bus and let them run. Um, but, but be uncomfortable about it. Take risks. Um, you know, obviously you got to take calculated risks, but be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable and to move forward.
0: It's important for sure. How can people learn more about all the many facets that are SEMA? So,
1: you know, probably the easiest is our website, SEMA.org or SEMA.show.com would be the two places you can see all the different things that we're working on.
0: Absolutely. I'd encourage all of you. If you don't know as much as we've shared with you today about SEMA and the many more things about SEMA, uh, check out the website. If you've never been to a show, you got to go. It's absolutely incredible. And, uh, they do so much for so many. And I want to thank you, Mike and your entire team for what you guys have done for the industry. I also want to do a little shout out here because a guy who's been on the show here and he's become a friend, Doug Stokes, who originally said uh, you got to get Mike on the show. Uh, way back (laughs) when so doug hey i finally did it buddy so thank you and also your lovely assistant Della domingo she's been wonderful to work with so uh, you have surrounded yourself with wonderful people mike so i really appreciate that hey i want to thank you for being generous today with your time and your expertise and for doing what you're doing for the industry and for so many people until you and i talk again my friend i'll see you at the next sema show that's awesome i can't
1: wait to see you in person and thank you for this opportunity
0: you're very welcome this was great fun